Hello and welcome to When Will It End? Baby, we're getting cubed. We're going to Cube Town. We're in the Cubeverse. We've entered the cube. We've woken in the cube. I'm Josh, joined as ever by my, my co-host, Charles. Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks. This is, yeah, this is, uh, this is good. I love your glasses. It really is putting me in a nice, nice space. This is a shades on record for the old J-Man. Wait, you didn't I've tell me. I've got the shades up. Wait, can I? Well, do you want to join me in being having your shades on? I, I was I got no shades. for this. I mean, you never tell me anything. You just come in here. You got your quotes page up. You got your shades on. I'm, I feel a little bit like we just woke up in the same queue, but we're not on the same team. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy. We're we're a regular uh, Holloway and Worth. You sure. know what I mean? Well, um, I guess so. Yeah, we're more of a Holloway and Worth. I think. No, you're 11 because you have glasses. Well, and I'm a Quentin because I'm a problematic fave. Uh, I do like that. Um, one of my favorite lines in this movie is "You're a total Helen," and you are a total Helen. I've been saying it for years, Josh. You're a total Helen. No, and uh, I think uh, what we found is that uh, you're right. You nailed it. And speaking of me, Worth, how many Worth jokes were in the movie? Do you think they padded the script a little heavy with Worth jokes? Did you want more Worth jokes? I mean, this is the kind of questions we got to ask when you watch the movies, okay? When you start at one. When, when you watch the movies, you got to ask these questions because, of course, that's what we do. On the, we're, the as far as I know, the only film podcast. But sure. here's the twist. We watch the movies uh, in a series, in a series of them. So when, you make, when they make a bunch of them, we watch all of them in order. Yeah. And we ask ourselves, is they good, though? Hmm. Or do they get bad, though? Um, and yes, and in this case, we're starting off a new series, uh, a, a tight little trio here. Uh, the Cube films. Cube is a 1997 Canadian indie science fiction horror film directed and co-written by Vincenzo Natale. Doesn't sound Canadian. But I honestly, I don't know what a Canadian is, really. Well, actually, you know, Canada, there's uh, immigrants from all over the world live in Canada. Canada is a very... Uh, richly diverse nation you know like toronto one of the a huge a, a predominantly immigrant community up in edmonton i've been to edmonton and there's a huge korean community there's, there's all kinds of diversity so this is these are just places you've been and people you've seen there is this the little journey there's we're on not right that now? many people in canada right mostly snow most of canada was involved in the production of q <laughs> and as a result there's people from all over the dang place right well, this was, who was his name? Vin- Vincenzo Natale? Vincenzo Natale. Ah. Now, uh, he's had, uh, you know, not a, he's made a lot of cult movies. He made Splice, which some people might know. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he also does a lot of TV. You may know him. He directed episodes of Hannibal. Great, great, great saw show. saw that, too. He directed episodes of uh, Westworld, which I have not seen. Uh, he directed episodes of, of uh, Adventures of Tintin. Tintin. Oh, no, he just worked in the art, art department. But yeah, he's a little... Did you ever watch that old? It was like late 80s or really early 90s, the Dan Dan show. The, with the animated show? Yeah, yeah. It was basically just like the books, but brought to life. Hergé is yeah. really beautiful imagery and story of adventurism and heroism and drunkenness. All, and, and racism too, right? Wasn't he a terrible... No, he was a... Was he a Vichy France Nazi guy? Yeah, that, that's he was a collaborator, yeah. famously. So there's some who still hold that against him. Um, you know, and who's to say? Who's to say, right? Well, I think there's, there's there's both sides to every story. You know, working with the Nazis, not working with the Nazis. You know, what do you think you would have done? Uh, I well, given that many of my family members were put into concentration camps, I probably would have followed them. 
realistically. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remember I, that part of the the whole thing, the whole situation? Well, yeah. Yeah, I I remember. How the Holocaust. It was called the Holocaust. So this is interesting. Natali was supposed to direct the High Rise adaptation, which ultimately went to Ben Wheatley. Very happy it went to Ben Wheatley. But honestly, I sort of get that this is like a a very low budget version of High Rise in some ways. Well, I mean, certainly it's about, you know, the horror of late capitalism and how complicit we are in a system that seems inescapable. Uh, And interestingly, he was supposed to direct... A neuromancer adaptation, which I don't think has happened. I'm certain I would have heard of this at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm unfamiliar with it as well. Um, yeah, he basically just moved to. No, I guess he did some movies, but yeah, he's done a lot of TV work lately. Um, I think that could be where he belongs. I mean, he is like I remember Splice. It was fine, but I think this, like, if this is anything, he made a cube. Or I guess he personally... Did you think he made it, or did he probably got a team of engineers to make I'm the cube? I'm assuming he commissioned the cube, but I, I don't know if you've read the trivia. They had one cube for this movie. Right, so yeah. That's, they're, they're, <laughs> they made they a really cube. really hung out in one cube, which is super funny to me. It is funny, and they. I love that this is like one of the only movies shot not chronologically, not like in some... like The way they shot the movie was by color, because it was so complicated to change the color of the cube that they shot all the red scenes and they shot all the green scenes and it's just like they moved through the script by the color of the cube yeah and this movie cost three hundred fifty thousand dollars possibly canadian because again this is a canadian movie which i first saw this in high school like smoking weed and drinking terrible beer not in an apartment full of punks and i remember uh famously a local like punk legend watching it was like i hope rain man lives and uh (laughs) he was right um, I do have some really cool news. I just uh, stumbled over this. The Japanese remake of Cube is coming out this fall. I saw that, and too. And holy shit, that talk about a, you know, I guess we're so used to Japanese horror being, you know, leading the pack and then Western cinema catching up to it. I feel like you can go a lot of places with the, the trademarks of Japanese horror with a movie like Cube, which is, you know, when it's violent, extremely violent. Yeah. I mean, I think the Japanese hasn't always been... Like they they really took off in the '90s and early 2000s, doing a very specific style of horror. I don't really know have they maintained that dominance. I think it's really American horror is is back after its lapse from the '80s. Well, I mean, two words, baby, Eli Roth. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So we got. I feel like you know it's moved culturally. We had you know Italians were very dominant in the '50s and '60s. American. This isn't a horror podcast. Oh, it's not. No. We're watching horror movies. We've, we 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 have very rarely entered into the horror movie franchise, right? We haven't. Really That's done. true. So this is like, wait, is this our first horror franchise? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unless you count Austin Powers. Oh God, I am. You know, I'm so bummed about the whole Saw thing getting. Derailed I know because I was looking forward to like spending months in the Saw world. Okay, let's get into it. We've both seen Cube in the past, Charles. That was juicy. That yeah. was like, normally I keep these in. I don't know that that one's going to make the edit. It was disgusting. Yeah, that was, even for me, that was a bit of a, I just burp. Maybe just bleep it out. Can you do a bleep on it? Yeah, I can generate a bleep tone. I think that might be the most appropriate way to move forward from that. It was. I, I, I'm pounding a Diet Coke right now. So we got a real visceral burp, like a real, you know, that's, that. that I think that was fully level work. Like you could splice that into a movie and people would be like, wow, what a. Terrifying. My cans are low because you're loud, and I think my 
my audacity picked up through my low-volume cans that burp. Well, I got some frequencies in that, baby. Frequencies. Okay, so the movie is Cube. We love Cube. Cube is great. I did a little bit of research. Recently, it was brought to my attention, Charles. Yeah? There is an animal who poops cubes. Wait. No. This can't be. Yes. Do you think this inspired Francisco Vettoli? Well, one, that's racist against Italians. And two, Impossible. I have no idea. I doubt it. Do you, I mean, maybe he was looking out his, his window in Toronto or Edmonton, wherever he was, and he saw the, the this animal you speak of, the cube pooper. Well, okay, great question. Do you want to guess what animal? I'll give you a big hint. It's a mammal. Okay. What? Uh, we'll, we'll do like a little 20-question uh, style. Can Charles determine Okay. Um, what kind of mammal poops cubes? Does it? The only animal in the world to poop cubes. Okay. It but, ain't me. It's not you. I don't that was going to be my first question. Is it Josh slash no, Helen? Well, you, well, he may have seen me shitting outside in Toronto. That's possible. It wasn't a cube, baby. All right. So you're more of a, like a just a wretched pile. Yes. Barely can stand up on its own. You know, part of our podcast dynamic is that it's a classic city mouse, country mouse thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You're in big city Medford. I'm in small town Pittsfield. But I took a long snowy walk today nice and like i hadn't had a bowel movement yesterday because i was driving all over the place with my wife and exploring and then i wisely kept the poop for after a big old donkeys and then like an hours of hiking in the woods (laughs) so by the end of that process i had managed to generate a, a, a crime against humanity style bowel movement so i do actually feel uh quite satisfied today like the system is working and when you say uh Crime Against Humanity. You're not talking about Cards Against Humanity, that really cool game? <laughs> no? I love the game because you can do things like, uh, got chlamydia from Anne Frank? And everyone's like, damn! <laughs> oh. Oh, Isn't really it so fun. sad that like, there are people so repressed in our society that you have to get like permission? Like, if it's like a disabled or homophobic joke in the context of a card game, it's like suddenly like, we're allowed. Right. Like, you know, that's so fucked up. Just like, we're already terrible, you know? Yeah, I remember playing that game when it was, like, a game that you had to print out, and this, like, total nerd, like, ultra nerd went to Staples and got the whole thing printed out on, like, really high-quality paper. Just they could be like... Right. Uh, <laughs> I sucked Martin Luther King Jr.'s corpse's dick. Right. And all your friends are like, he went there. Yeah, the card went there, but he played the card he played the martin luther king jr's right corpses it's not on dick. you it's just the game baby right. but i had that and a supermarket chain and i'm obvious i'm gonna play martin luther king's corpse's dick right kroger's uh, here's all i'm saying like cube is about this it's about capitalism it's about neoliberalism it's about like this this trap we've laid for ourselves where how much agency do we have? Even if we have agency, what are its constraints? You know, how are we allowed to explore who we are when we're involved in something so total, so complete? You know? Yeah. No. It's it's a uh, it's one of those. It's it's rare because there's a lot. You watch a lot of shitty TV. You watch a lot of movies where like this reminds you immediately of that. What was that Netflix movie about? Like the levels of people like feeding each other. The platform. Did you see that? I did not see the platform. It sucked because it like it. You hated it. You told me you hated it. Yeah, I, I did. I'm gonna tell. I'm telling you, I hated it. I'm telling my listener, my one listener, or, and you know who you are, the one of you. I hated that fucking movie because it wore its 
politics on its sleeves. The metaphor was just, oh, was that Ryan Reynolds movie where he gets buried? Uh, Deadpool. Right, where he knows that he's buried. He's, you know, winkingly, slyly. He, he knows he's in a hole under Afghanistan. He draws attention to it. Yeah. I think that was called Buried. Um, where it's the same thing, where it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool concept to have Ryan Reynolds in a hole for 90 minutes talking on a cell phone. But if all you're going to do is the obvious, oh, I understand he's buried himself in this quagmire that we cannot get out of. This movie somehow escapes those confines that most shittier movies that have like such a direct metaphor to what they're talking about. Like this becomes so much about the character interaction that you honestly don't even really know what um, this Italian Canadian man really wanted to do with it other than to show what happens when people have to be with each other. We didn't uh, resolve the poop cube thing though. So I'm going to give you, take a few, take a few guests. Okay. Well, I'm going to do the 20 questions. Um, Okay. Which, mammal poops cubes charles take it away okay so is it does it live in north america great question it does not okay does it live in south america i know sure doesn't this is maybe the bad place to start it's sort of boring too no no i think it's important i think you can really track down uh it's from a very uh, distinct place okay is it um is it is it Italian? Is it one of uh, Leonardo Spaghetti's famous rats that he keeps in his pizza place? No, it is not one of Leonardo Spaghetti's famous Wait, what was his pizza first rats. Name? What was his first name in that movie? L- like Luigi Spaghetti. God, <laughs> fucking eat, pray, love. Everyone, do yourself a favor. Get a little snack. Spaghetti. Say a few words to Jeebus. Yeah. Eat some spaghetti. Um, you can see what a fucking fat pig Julia Roberts oh becomes. Oh my god! It's horrible. Okay, no, it's not in it's not in Europe at all. It's not an Italian rat. Oh wow, you just gave me. You just gave me for my third question, as though I asked. Well, about I'm trying Europe. to maybe Speed coax you up. towards. Is yes. it an Asian rat? It is not an Asian rat. Also, it's not a. I don't know why rat entered this as a given. It's not a rat. Well, it's because famously in the movie Eat, Pray, Love, Luigi Spaghetti had a cohort of rats that followed him around, chanting "Pizza, pizza, pizza." Okay, it's a marsupial. Oh, so perhaps it is an Australian rat. It is an Australian rat. I got it. Now you're never you're never gonna get it. Okay, it is the bare nosed wombat. That was my tenth question. I have it written down. Okay, here. I'm sure it was. Charles Mazeltov, you win. Hey. This furry Australian marsupial squeezes out nearly one hundred six sided turds every day, <laughs> an ability that has long mystified scientists. That makes me feel so bad about my life. Look at it. This gets so much better. Guy. He gets so much yeah, shit one, done. The wombat, I'm the wombat like, is fucking adorable. I just want to squeeze it until the turds pop right out. <laughs> um, okay, here's the best part uh, of this this article I'm reading on sciencemag.org. Now, researchers say they un- have uncovered how the wombat intestine creates this exceptional excrement. That's good writing, Test Juice. First off, Test Juice. We love you. That's J-O-O-S-S-E. Test Juice. Take a sip. Wow, I'm looking at okay, these cubes. Uh, this study is really good, says Sung Kwan Yoon, Jun Jung, a biophysicist at Cornell University who studies the mechanics of animal movements and was not involved in the research. I just love these like, this study is real fucking good. Guys, this is a really good one. We should have had Allie on this show. She she loves, famously, she loves scat. Big fan of scat, yes. yeah. This could have been a really great episode for Allie to weigh in on the poop keeper. What, what's his actual name? 
Okay, the bare-nosed wombat. The bare-nosed wombat. Vombatus ursinus, which weighs up to 35 kilograms, which Lord knows what that is in American measurements, lives in the grassy plains and eucalyptus forests of Australia, where it spends its nights grazing on plants and its days in underground tunnels. Um, so it, it says they leave the, the 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 cube poop as a calling card, but the sharp-sided scat comes from a round anus. Wait, 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 wait. The cube-shaped shit comes out of a round anus? Yes. Tell me now, how that works. What they found out, they, they found a dead wombat who was hit by a car, which oh, is sad. That sucks. And they found that the intestines have two grooves where the guts are more elastic, which is, you know, good to know. In a new study, this is where this thing gets fucking magical. The researchers dissected two further wombats, well, that's sad, and tested the guts, layers of muscle, and tissue. Um, they then created a 2D mathematical model to simulate how the regions expand and contract with the rhythms of digestion. They built a computer program that simulates wombats shitting. It's incredible. It also made me think that they're just like scientists are hovering on highways waiting for animals to get hit by cars. Yeah. Quickly going over and scraping them off the road to then create two-dimensional, not 3D. Man, can you imagine if these fucking scientists tried to make the movie Cube? Just be square. They, all they could think of is square. Yeah, I'm sure scientists have a lot to say about the math in a cube, which I, I would rather oh, just boy. assume I, is correct. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Two, four. Prime numbers. Prime numbers. <laughs> okay, so let's just, I'll just get, get through this. Basically, yeah. wombats maybe evolved into pooping cubically because they climb up on rocks and logs to mark their territory. And if the feces is flat, baby, it's not going to roll off those high perches. Um as for what the world is supposed to do with this new information, who admits that it's, quote, not going to replace the way we manufacture plastic? Fair enough. Really? Um, okay. And the article ends with uh, the squarer the poop, the healthier the wombat, which we have been saying to each other for years. Yeah. It's like I first met you. I started calling you Helen. And I would say, huh, the squarer the poop. And then you would go. The the healthier the wombat. The healthier the wombat. Yes. Oh, God. We've been saying it uh, for years. And now, and now we have made it here. And by the way, uh, the wombat, not even close to extinct. It's doing great. Least concern status. So don't worry. We'll have wombats to puzzle over their fucking magical shit for ages. Wow. Do you think we'll ever get to learn? Because at the end of this movie, and we're going to spoil it, so we hope you watched it. Mm. Whatever his name is, the the man who could do the prime number stuff like magic Kazan, his name is Kazan. Um, he walks out into just a white void. And do you think maybe in Cube 2, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself asking the question, I'm not sure even yet, but do we think this is about the wombat shit? Well, for, first off... Do you think this takes place in a little island of Australia? The cut that I saw ends with a fade to white, and then it fades back to a wombat dreaming. And the wombat sits up in bed and goes, I just had the craziest dream. And his wife goes, honey, go back to bed. And then he says, and "He's like huh. the square of the poop, the, the healthier, healthier the wombat." wombat. He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna squeeze out about a hundred of those motherfuckers." So, uh, Andrew Miller, who plays Kazan, who is a developmentally disabled man, so you know, probably not a performance we would see replicated in 2021. But uh, you may know Andrew Miller from his <laughs> from his TV series, Imaginary Bitches. Oh, right, that was one of my favorite programs. Yes, it's got a 6.9 on IMDb. Nice. Good. A web series about a single girl who deals with the lonely reality that all her friends are in serious relationships by making them up by making up imaginary friends who turn out to be total bitches. 
That's amazing. Yeah. This is, sounds really good. A total bitch, not just like a partial bitch, but we got total bitches on our hands. Complete bitches. Now, let me ask you this. Um, have you heard of Nothing? This was uh, this is another Vincenzo Natale movie. This this is another joint with David Hewlett and Andrew Miller returning from Cube. This came out in 2003. I'd read about this and never saw it. Two guys wake up and everything outside of their home is a complete white empty void. Have you heard about this? What's it called? Nothing. No, I did not even hear about this. This is something that I saw, like, I think it was in one of those old, like, blockbuster video catalogs, and I was always fascinated by it. Maybe that'd be a fun bonus episode to do, to, to, to follow up, to, to, to augment the Cube series with nothing. I mean, I, I, I really like the DVD cover, or is that, the, I don't even know if that's a poster. It can't be the poster. It looks terrible. It does look terrible. It's, <laughs> it's two, just two men. Two white guys standing in a field of nothing. But yeah, it looks so bad, Jesus Wow, I would be so embarrassed. Can you imagine design? I know you don't do much of the design. I do all the design for the show, but I, you know what good design looks like. You design your own t-shirts and covers for your your strange musical enterprises. Mm, Can you yes. imagine if this is what, like, you gave this out to somebody, like, I need you to design my new Limspin record. It's called Nothing. Please, you know, I don't really have much direction on it. Just send me something back. And the clown who made this is two guys with a fake drop shadow under them. And that's what they went with. This is what they went with. Well, the drop shadow raises a lot of questions. Right, it because does. <laughs> the shadows both go at like a 45-degree angle from each other. So where's the lighting coming from? They each have their own, and it's like right on top of them. Yeah. Maybe we should watch nothing. I like that Natalie was like, you think I fucking only do cube shit? Check this out. Nothing. Yeah, well, I mean. Opposite. The only place to go from cube is just, you know, three-dimensional. I guess we already went hypercube. Maybe Cube Zero was like, cube, maybe that's going to be Cube Nothing. It's going to be just like a ripoff of this movie, Nothing. But it is, it's labeled as a comedy slash fantasy and not a horror movie. So this seems like it'll be a little bit more on the goofy side of uh, Vincenzo Natale. So, okay, so let, let's start with this. Um, how was this movie aged for you? Again, I first saw this probably 15 years ago or something. And it was definitely like a, a great VHS tape in the living room full of chums kind of zone. How did you find watching this as a the big old grown adult you are today? And you are a big old grown adult. Oh, I'm so big. I grew right up. I talked to my mom this morning and she was like, wow, every time she sees you, she says, Charles, I'm really happy you grew up. You look so big there. I thought this movie aged terrifically. It actually made me realize how boring most movies are nowadays. Like the camera work the way it's styled like the 90s was a it like had a very like it was so vibrant well i mean i i, I think you, you, when you think about a world of nine inch nails okay mm. david finchie getting going uh friggin uh marilyn you know, manson he's been in the news lately well this is not for good it seems like the guy is bad yeah it's funny that like back Doesn't in the 90s like he's a nice guy he was also he was like he was doing terrible shit but he was in the news for like throwing chickens at his concerts. And now it's just like, oh no, this guy was like terrible. Well, he sucked Twiggy's dick too. I used to, I read his, one of the early like things I read that I shouldn't have read things was the Marilyn Manson autobiography when I was like in middle school, which is full of like obviously just lies. <laughs> well, I mean, I, here's the thing any good biography, like you should lie a fair amount. That's I think true. That's cool. I know. Remember that uh, um, million little pieces whole thing? Yeah, the guy was like, oh, I friggin' did all the drugs, and it was yeah. crazy, man. And then and America was like, wow, he did drugs. And then he was like, I didn't really And then do Oprah drugs. was like, did you really do drugs? He's like, yeah. Wait, no. 
Yeah, okay, so uh, A Million Little Pieces is a book by James Frey, which came out in 2003. And look, we just bought the Iraq War explanation, so America definitely was maybe at its most gullible at this time. Right. Uh, so it was originally sold as a memoir, then later they just changed it to a semi-fictional novel, which is a cool pivot to make. Where they're like, actually, well, so that's what he. That <laughs> it was, was a goof the when, whole time. When it came out and he was like, um, oh, I didn't actually take the drugs – his thing, he says, I wrote this as a novel and Doubleday or Random House, whoever published it was like, this would sell a hundred times better if it was a memoir. And he was just like, great. I, it's a memoir. Yes, now. it is. <laughs> and, then, and then they got caught and it was like, you know what? Let's change it back to a novel. Wow. Man, life is so tricky. Critic Pat Conroy, who looks like a real chode, sorry, Pat, uh, said it was the war and peace of addiction. What does that mean? And that it seems boring and I'll never read it, I guess. I think it was a, it was a, a compliment. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do people still read War and Peace? I feel like, I don't know, and TikTokers and, you know, just like shitty things you can do on your computer all day. What's the point of War and Peace at this point? Well, I think it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, my parents are very sweet boomers and I love them very much, but they have some cultural things that they cling on to with a, an intensity that I think is very funny, where... You know, they're like, oh, they're not going to teach Mark Twain in schools anymore because it's offensive or something. And it's like, yeah, look, yeah, Mark, Mark Twain, so many goofs. The guy, he's got chuckles for days. I, I'm not against a Mark I mean, Twain. I love that, that frog, that frog shit. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, Tom Sawyer in the fence and the he's like, paint the fence. I don't want to I don't want to do it. You should do it. And, uh, you know, and then. uh famously huckleberry finn and then the unfortunately named uh black character and whoopsie uh anywho um but it's like mom dad we're gonna be fine right it's gonna be fine we don't need like in a world without mark twain there's like other stuff and it'll be fine i was talking to amy on lots our- of people i'm thinking about look how many people are in china and india like what over a billion maybe right? if you can believe they're that. not reading mark twain they're reading Indian Mark Twain and Chinese Mark Twain. And that guy's also good. Or girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're still writing those frog stories. Oh, man. That little hopper. Yeah. It's like everyone's like, ooh, uh, you know, uh, Shawshank Redemption's the best movie ever made. What What if in the future it's a different movie? Like Cube. Oh, that will never happen. That's Actually, it has a 7.2. It's doing okay for itself in the IMDb world. I think 7.2 is better than a 10 on IMDb. That's like the highest I would go where I would still consider, like if I didn't, if I've never seen the movie, I would much rather watch somewhere between five and seven than a nine or a 10. Because as we discovered last episode, like IMDb is, the ratings are worthless, where you have a list of movies about, you know, we've got Shawshank and the Godfathers taking up the first three slots. It's like, how can that community be, be trusted? Well, I think we've established we can't trust IMDb. Right. That's, yeah, so I, I think the 7.2 is, is that's the 10. If you actually look at a ranking system, I would say like a 3 is an 8, a 4 is a 6, a 7 is a 10, a 10 is a 3, a 1 is a 6. Did I say 6 yet? I think I did. Prime numbers. <laughs> I love that in this movie, the the math genius. I mean, she's a high school. She's probably got a little more to learn when she gets to college, but she does understand a prime number. And she, the first test is a number that ends in a five. And she's like, 
Let's see. Is this a prime number? Is this a prime number? Yep, that's not a prime number. Let's move to the next one. Ends in a two. All right, let's take a look here. Is this a prime? Like, she spends second, like, literal seconds of the film trying to figure out whether an even number is prime. Oh, I mean, that's all gibberish to me. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because I have no idea. Well, they're selling, Josh, the script is selling her as a math genius. Well, she has glasses, so. Well, she's, they're reading glasses. I don't know. Soul. I have never, I mean, maybe this is just me. I grew up in Maine. It's a pretty fucking terrible place to grow up. Humble brag. But I never met a single student that needed reading glasses. I feel like that's a, that's an old fogies sort of thing. Okay, so Vincento Natale had the original inspiration to make a movie, quote, set entirely in hell in 1990. It's not a hell. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's only hell if you take cubes. Well, I think the helplessness, the Mm. threat of death, the pain. uh, I like that idea very much. I mean, this movie is, is a minimalist masterpiece because nothing is explained. They never leave the cube. No. It it really ultimately creates a space to explore existential questions and societal structure with all, with very little. He doesn't really weigh like I, I think a, a lazy thing would be like oh worth the cynic worth he's correct but there's nothing really to support right. that idea either. No, I mean this is you basically know? Lost. Like this is the, this is why Lost was so bad was that the first season was just like this. You're on a fucking island and I mean. Cube Island. I'm going to pause. Which would you rather be? Would you rather be on a cool island or back stuck in a cube with death traps? Like Survivor versus Cube? I, I could pick Survivor. Okay. So I think. Because you could get coconuts. Right. You get coconuts. There's a polar bear. I didn't even mention the polar bear on this crazy tropical island. <sighs> did you watch Lost? Did you watch All Lost? I didn't. Wa- I watched like the first 20 minutes of the first episode and I was like, this isn't for me. Wait, really? Yeah. I- a plane crashes. I thought you'd really into that shit. Why? It's a terrible thing to happen. Uh, but I think Lost is, when it was good, it like really took this idea of a concept. The concept is unimportant. And that's why the first season of Lost was mildly successful, because it asked a lot of questions and it didn't answer any of them. And then by the last season, it, like, it was so hell-bent on trying to answer so all these questions that it asked over the years that it's like, what? It's, it's just purgatory or something? And I'm glad that, yes, Cube is It's not interested in telling us who made the cube, what the cube is, where the cube is. It is just a, it is a hell. It's just a space for these characters to um, call each other Nazis, call each other dried up old ladies. Um, this gets really intense by the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the, they, they have no food. They have no water. The clock's a ticking. They're, every step they take could result in friggin' poison or cheese grater guys going through the air and cubing up guys. Someone told me, I posted uh, that I was watching this on social media, and so a Canadian was like, I see that actor from the beginning who gets cubed all the time in Toronto. <laughs> I think that's fucking awesome. That was, so that's the thing, is this movie looks great, too. And I, I honestly, not all the traps, maybe we should rank the traps at the end of this movie. I think that could be very fun, a little, little trap ranking. Um, but the opening, this opening scene of this movie, first of all, that eye was maybe the most beautiful like close up on an eye I've ever seen in a movie. It's it was an incredible way to start this thing. Yeah, and and the the digital effects in the movie are fantastic. And the, it, it's a uh, mix like they're, too. They're very subtle and carefully used, which is kind of rare. Right, like they made a fake Ander, Anders Anders Alderson, what was his name? 
The guy that your friend's seen in Toronto all the time? The the cube guy? Who knows? He's bald. Yeah. That guy. They made like a fake fake guy to then actually cube and the, the use of like weird 90s CGI. I don't know. I used to hate CGI and now I love it. I love the shittier the better. I think it like, it really brings me in if it's used like that. Where like Michael Bay got to the point with Transformers where the whole world was CGI. So I didn't really believe in it. But if there's like small elements of CGI that just like cube some guy, I, I'm totally in. Yeah, that shit's cool. Right. It doesn't look real, but that's fine. It doesn't have to look real. It just has to look like I'm watching a movie about some guy that got his entire body cut up into little cubes. Yeah, it, it's so sick. I mean, I think what this movie does really cleverly is that we actually only see like a scant number of traps ultimately. Right. But they're also like freakishly perverse and hey coming off of the friggin hunger games it's like who designed this friggin uh seneca plutarch who done these guys and again i can't stress enough none of it is resolved at all is it aliens is it the military industrial complex is it uh capitalists watching people for their own amusement is it a this is the best one when they're like oh it's probably just a machine made by hundreds of people where no one really knew what they were making and no one actually finished it and this is just what happened yeah and and that's the there's always this like dialogue within a lot of leftists about like it's easier to imagine the world ending than capitalism ending at this point absolutely yeah you know and and i think that's the angle through which i watch this like certainly in, in 2021 where we're like what does it mean to have a moderate steering the ship forward return to power in a country that seems so off the rails. Like, you know, what kind of choices do we have available to us when the the least threatening choice is one that still perpetuates a doomed system built on exploitation and, you know, cosmic horror, the, the, the like overwhelming threat of climate change, you know? Right. It's, that's it's, why you're right. This has aged so well because it's again, it's like, you know, is recycling, does recycling have an impact on the world? It doesn't really seem that way. Does voting have an impact on the world? Like marginally at best, like this, this really gets to, to a really central sense of, of disconnection and helplessness that I think, unfortunately, is more powerful than ever today. Yeah. And I, I wrote, I mean, not to, I'm going to brag. I wrote a short story, Josh. I, in fact, wrote many, um, but one of them was about a couple that accidentally get put on a spaceship that's just going to go head to the sun, you know, and it's just like, it's about that journey of what you do when you know the end is inevitable, but then you realize that the end is always inevitable. Like, you can always take move, like ideas like this about people trapped in places and just realize that we're always trapped in these places. It doesn't really matter if you're in a cube or in America. It's just like... That's why these stories, if unless you try to over-explain them, they sort of crumble under that own weight. But if you just like sort of exacerbate our actual, like the literal prison that we all live in every day and just sort of confine it a little bit more, it really does lend itself to tell a story about people brought to an edge, a cube edge, the edge of a cube. Like a wombat shit. I think where this movie, we are we're pretty praising it pretty hard. I think where this movie sort of falls apart is at the end when everything just sort of moves so quickly and suddenly they're all separated, but then they all get back together. And it's like, it it takes this idea of like this cube, which is um, hundreds of cube rooms all together. And you find out a moving cube Rubik's puzzle. Like it would be the 
if you can imagine a Rubik's Cube, try harder and imagine the biggest goddamn Rubik's Cube you can think of. And then it's even bigger than that. But then suddenly at the end of this movie, it's like they all just like somehow come back together again, even after being separated twice. I, I that I that was like the one thing I remembered about not liking this movie, and I think that same sort of disbelief at the ending of this movie comes together. And I sort of just wish there was another way we could have gotten to the same point. You're you're not wrong. I mean, the, this movie's weakest parts, this, the script at times veers into. Uh, you know, college stoned level conversations about society. Some of the acting is spotty. Uh, and you're right. There, there's some narrative conveniences at the end that are not well. The the the, the edges are a bit rough. No question. Mm. Which is not something you want but, when you're uh, thinking about cubes, which are the shiniest of shapes. The, it is the shiniest of all of the shapes. No yeah. question. And if you're having when a I think rough... of the shape, well, no. Uh, well, I guess like an orb has a gleam. Yeah, you, you know think what I mean? That. Sometimes an orb has a gleam. You think that, but when you actually get yourself in front of a giant cube, real shiny. Fucking, you don't want a rough. You don't want a rough edge cube. You want that shiny cube. Well, the original draft it was called uh, orb, but uh, the problem was all the orbs clinked together too much in the big thing. Oh, interesting. They're always like clinking on each other. Weird. Yeah, and they're like, well, cubes wouldn't do that, and they didn't want the clinking. No clinking that way. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like, what's that What's that sound? They're like, oh, it's clinking. Do you think we should have... Um, I know we didn't really plan this very well. We are just going to do the three cube movies, but there are now two remakes that we just learned about. Um, I think we might also need to include Sphere, the Michael Crichton adaptation with Dustin Hoffman yes. and Sharon Stone. Is this the shapes verse? Are we doing <laughs> yeah. the shapes verse? <laughs> I think we might need to just do the shapes first for the rest of the year. We could do Circle. Well, I mean, in that case, we got to do Rhombus. That's one of my favorite movies. What is that? I've never even heard of Rhombus. It's a Spanish romantic comedy about a, a rhombus uh, love connection. Like instead of a love triangle, it's a love rhombus. Listeners, if you have a shape, I think we can make... We already have February planned out um, for the bonus episodes, but if you got some like some of your favorite movies or shape movies, just drop us a line and we will do them. Well, I mean, there's the Ruben Ostland uh, movie The Square from 2017. Great. I remember you know, this. What was this. Is that something we should be working on? Listeners. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Circle was that movie that came out that was based on that book about like Google or something. Oh my God. I was just talking about that. Holy shit. This is so funny. I was just talking about that fucking god awful movie. I didn't see this it. This was the, an adaptation of. This was when I was still working the movie theater. I saw it. It's the. Uh, is, is it Emma Roberts from, from Harry Potts and the Man with the Sword and the Stone? Uh, Hermione, Hermione is in it, and Tom Hanks is in it. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Right, Tom Hanks, yes. It's Tom Hanks playing a like like an evil uh, Mark Zuckerberg type. It's very, it's a terrible movie, and it ends with them being like, and we all use the internet slightly less. It was like, not <laughs> a good book. I remember everyone loved it. It was bad, and then they made a bad movie about it too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should be doing more shapes. <laughs> Is this an untapped you know what? gold mine? When will it end? No longer do we watch the movies. We now watch the shape movies. Yeah, Circle Takes the Square. We're going to replace the, the intro music with the Circle Takes the Square song. Uh, Wait, is that the, what a band. the Hollywood Squares theme song? What, what are you talking about? There's a screamo band called Circle Takes the Square. Oh, and it's based on Hollywood Squares starring Gilbert Godfrey and yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, it's an adaptation of... The, everyone's favorite show, a show that to this day is the number one show in primetime. Do you think that I'm Richard Godfrey? Do you think that Cube is a remake of Hollywood Squares with different people and different cubes? This is good stuff. You should say that. I'm Gilbert Godfrey. I'm a duck. You called him Richard Godfrey earlier. That wasn't great. I have this. I had this idea for a podcast 
Uh, as you can imagine, it wouldn't be very good. It's called uh, Four Gilberts, and it's just four people. They can talk about whatever they want, but they all have to be doing Gilbert Godfrey's. Imagine imagine being stuck in cube with freaking Gilbert Godfrey. Right. I mean, Whoopi knows it too well. We're trapped in a cube. I'm Richard Godfrey. Wallace, Sean. <laughs> I did more of a Wallace Sean there. We're in a cube. We got to get out of the cube. Oh, that's good. I don't know. I don't think it's that good. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. This movie is so rare because it's so genuinely difficult to discern what the message is supposed to be, which I love. And famously, Vincenzo Natale shot footage in an epilogue outside of the cube and like destroyed it. He You're was right. like, we can never he see outside of it. the cube. Spoiler, we do see outside of the cube in cube uh, three, cube zero. Cube three, cube I've zero. I've never seen cube hypercube. I've seen cube zero. Cube zero actually does some huge like retconning that I love. Well, you've seen it? That we'll see. I saw, as I said seconds ago, yeah, I've sorry, seen Cube you did Zero. See, yeah, you see it, you've seen it. Which yeah. is a prequel. I've never seen Cube 2 Hypercube, which again, one of the great sequel names ever. It's the best. Like I, what's crazier than when than a freaking cube? I don't know. How about a fucking Hypercube? And it's true. I don't even really know what a Hypercube is. It's the one where they draw the lines and there's like a cube inside a cube with lines connecting the cube. To the other cube. Yeah, who's who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, you know? What's her name, kid? Lainey? Lenny? What was her name? Levin. 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 Everyone's named after famous prisons, famously. Uh, good stuff oh, there. Good stuff there. I didn't get it. Mm, I didn't get it. Makes you think. Wow. Makes you think. San Quentin. Rene. What's Rene's? I don't know. A French one. I don't know. I, I looked it up. It's on the... Check out the IMDb. Okay. Uh, this movie's referenced in The Cabin in the Woods, of course, which in a very loving tribute uh, when all of the horror movie tropes are, are captured in a huge cube system, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, this movie... Bit of fun um, there. So we were talking about what this movie actually does, and while the acting, I think you're right, I think the acting is not always great. Uh, you have all these characters... They're, they're very good at acting together. If you're not like qualifying them as how well they're doing as actors, if you're just qualifying them as how well are they doing together... They are all in the same energy, doing the same style of thing together. It's like if you know, if David Mamet were involved in this, it would push it to a place I probably don't want it to go. But like, this is the sort of thing where you just have like people in a room talking at each other, and it's I love the like um, Holloway Quentin shit. That's like th- that shit is like where this movie explodes into places where I didn't think it was going to go, and it's. Because of them that this movie, I think, really stands the test of time and continues to be great. Yeah, I mean, certainly in a 2021 uh, political environment, certainly around police officers, <laughs> to, to have, like, you know, the strong, driven authority figure just, like, devolve into, like, a sexist, uh, supremacist, violent lunatic Pedophile. who gets called out for being, like, attracted to, you know— uh, yeah, she he gets taken to task pretty thoroughly and, of course, unsurprisingly, devolves into a murderous monster. Right. Um I love that. Yeah, I got told uh, yesterday, actually, that my friend is no longer my friend anymore because I sort of like made fun of her for being a cough apologist on Facebook. That's I think you're weeding out the right people if you're well, if you're pissing off. That's the thing is I'm not even like I don't give a shit if you're friends with me. Like I like you as a person, I guess. But like if you're like sending me a private message on Facebook being like, Charles, if you want to unfollow me or <gasps> unfriend me, go ahead. But I don't like the way you talk to me about the police. Some man fucking boomers on facebook um yeah i just think that if you're a cop 
I understand that aspects of that job are really difficult. It's impossible to get in trouble. You have the legal ability to execute people. It's not impossible to get in trouble. It's impossible to get in trouble if you try to actually stop the police from being racist force of violence. Then they'll fucking arrest you, murder you, throw you in jail, fine you. Okay, what no, no, I'm saying is, yes, if, if, if you do anything other than try to impact the status quo of what being a cop is like, you can literally do anything and just draw a pension, and you can literally gun down people in public and just take home thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, it, it's, it is the cushiest conceivable aspect of our horrible country, and I understand it's a stressful job. At times, it's very valuable. At times, it's... it's uh, the worst thing we've ever created. Anyways, long story short, cops are doing fine. We do not require a weird social movement around pitying the fate of cops. They're fine. Right. They're fine. They're doing There's great. no pressure on cops to do anything. No. And, you know, they, they can protest, uh, you know, if one of their buddies gets like a slap on the wrist for, I don't know, executing a mentally handicapped person, you can just take sick days to piss people. Like, it's the fucking, it sucks. So whatever. Yeah. Hey, this is interesting. I stumbled over a movie called Circle from 2015. Held captive and faced with their imminent executions, 50 strangers are forced to choose the one person among them who deserves to live. Kind of a reverse cube, oh, huh? It's like Survivor. One, because it's a circle, unlike a cube. What? You, wait, you think the, a circle's the opposite of a cube? Yeah, because a cube's all about you know hard angles, and a cube ain't. Okay, but they're both shapes. I feel like, you know, like, but no, no, but that's the that's the whole idea of an opposite is that you have some relational point. Oh, that's a that good just, point. That def- is, defines right because you know you can't just be like a grape is the opposite of well, actually no maybe a grape is the opposite of a cube. Huh. Well, but that still is partially because of its circular I gotta think qualities. This, shut up! I have to think about this. Yeah, is yeah, I, the last thing shut, I want to do is stop fuck? this thought need, train from leaving the station. I need to think about this a cube and a grape. I just ordered a. Borges collection on Abe books because I got so excited about all this tra- entrapment. We're <laughs> That's talking awesome. About. Uh, which book? That dude's a straight freak. Uh, just, just one. I think the Labyrinths collection. I found like a four dollar copy, and Great. I was like, you know, that is like can't hurt, baby. We were talking last episode about like you know Goatsy and Lemon Party and like the internet in its heyday. Meat spin, sure. I do gotta say, it is nice to go to AB Books and just in a click of a in a click of an eye. Have yourself a copy of some book that'll come over. It's four bucks, and then it'll be in your house one day. I like I like that evolution. Yeah, the fact that people use Amazon blows my mind. So I'm like fucking what Abe? You called Abe? Abe? Abe books? Abe? I don't know. Whatever. That fucking website. Everything's three dollars in free shipping. Right. It's so sick. And it, sometimes they have stickers on them that you can't get off, and you try to spit on, and then you just end up ruining the cover. And sometimes they look fine. Actually, I tried to mail my friend a copy of my friend Dahmer, the graphic novel, and it somehow sent the DVD of the movie instead. Mm, the DVD too. I know. I was like, well, one, don't tell friggin' Charles about that. No, and you just Two, did. So there goes one. I did not want to do that. <laughs> okay. So, Charles, we're at that point in the show. Which point? The point in the show where we ask each other, are we asking when will it end? Now, this is a real interesting question for this film from my perspective because on one level, who doesn't want to find out more about these gang cubes? Okay? But two, a big reason why this works so well is because we know so little about these dang cubes. Right. So I think for me, this is one of the easiest when will it ends I've ever had to worry about because obviously I'm not asking when will it end because mm. if this is the same sort of shit like I want I would watch a cube TV show I would read a cube book like as long as it's taking place in a cube 
and they get to travel around this cube. I'm to- I'm fucking there. I don't want. I, I, give me anything. Give me more shapes. I don't care. You can have anything you want. Uh, the cube verse is where I live. I'm hoping to move to a cube one day. Um, I want more cube. If there was a daily paper called the Daily Cube, I'd read it. But that's what wombats do every day. They're like, "Up, oh, gotta go to the Daily Cube." That's really fun. I'm talking about big old shit, right? Well, no, maybe just big lots, old fucking lots of li- lots of little cube shits. I think. Boop, 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 boop. Do you think it goes like a little poop? Little like beep, boop, beep. Like what? Boop. Yeah, that sounds about right. Beep. We should ask a scientist though. Yeah, actually, I live I live right by ninety ninety three North. I'm sure there's just rows of scientists on the side, just waiting, just waiting for wombats to get run down. We were uh, driving upstate New York yesterday in the part where all the Hasidic Jews live, and we drove by like a flock of Hasidic Jews just uh, like wandering on the side of the highway. It's pretty magical. What? They just wander the highways? Well, it was it was it was Shabbat, so no one's driving. So they were just like a flock of them. Uh, Did you just strolling down the highway? Did you take that opportunity to like lord it over them that you choose to drive on Shabbat? Yeah, I pretty much showed off. Yeah, I went vroom, vroom. Beep, 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 beep. with your mouth or with the car parts. Both. Okay, so you beeped and said beep and vroom vroomed. How do you vroom vroom? I've been trying for years to get my car to vroom vroom, and it's just like. It just goes wing. Oh, when you're when you're neutral. Wee. I mean, I, oh, I drive yeah. a big daddy Subaru, so it's kind of a kind of a muscle car for big muscle man. You didn't ask me, but I'll tell you, I'm not asking when will it end because one, living in a world where you know that that the next movie is called Cube Hypercube. Come on, is it called Cube Two Hyper Cube Two colon Hypercube? The best. They 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 stuck with the Cube Two. That's my favorite. We've been doing this series for a long time. This this when will it end show? And I gotta say, I don't. I don't think I've ever said this. I like it when you have a number and then also. A, I think that's been the this new trend in franchising is to not number them anymore. And I hate that. Just fucking have the courage to still number your movies and come up with six subtitles like Hypercube. Yeah, live live big, swing hard, go 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 to town. Um. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page there. Have some fun with it. It's a franchise, baby. Live the dream. Right. I think that's one thing that Marvel's like really killed is that Marvel, they started off that way with Iron Man's, but even Thor, right? Thor, it's not called Thor 2. It's just called Thor the Dark World. Thor, I think, has a bit of fun because, of course, you know, freaking Thor Ragnarok, that's no, a good no, no, sequel it's, it's, name. It's a fun name. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the... I'm just saying Marvel is once again, like they created the franchise and they've also killed the franchise because they like no one feels like they can put numbers because that's like so 80s and shit and, and tacky. But it's great. Throw a fucking two or three on there. Have some fun. Alien 3 isn't called Alien 3. It's called Alien Cubed. That's great. Yeah, that shit's awesome. Okay, uh, let's move to MVPs. Charles, I'm really interested to see who you chose for this. Who's your pick? Who was the standout in freaking Cube, who gone and done the cubing the best? This is hard. This is one of those movies. We came off of the Hunger Games where it felt like every fucking person in a jumpsuit could earn the MVP because it was just that good. And I thought, you know what? Now that I mention it, do you think if you put all of your characters in jumpsuits, it becomes harder to choose which one you like better? I think when everyone's kind of as equally not great at, at acting as this cast, it's <laughs> even harder. So you don't think it's like, you know, when you go to a public school that has, um, what do they call it? Costumes? They don't have costumes. Yeah, costumes. Uniforms. Uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's whole, it's supposed to be, you know, so rich people 
don't have to get to show off how rich they are and poor people don't have to feel so bad. That's what I've been told. Yeah, it's to, you know, I, I just feel present like the illusion of, of equity in a society that's built on anything but. Right, so a movie can do something similar by just putting all of their characters in the same jumpsuit. And then it's really hard. Like, I just actually have to figure out who's my favorite because they all look the same. And again, it's very tricky. But I think I got there. I had a little journey. Initially, Ren was my boy, my little old Frenchman with his boot trick. Um, he dies very early, and I think that's why I have to take him out of the running. But initially, uh, Ren was my MVP before he gets his fucking face melted off. That, did you like? Did you did you like the face part? Oh, I loved it. Actually, before I say my MVP, I want to for this special. It's our what's our maybe it's our first horror franchise. I can't remember. What was your most valuable death? Because I think we're entering into like a slasher sort of movie where we have lots of people to start with, and then we have almost nobody to end with. What was your favorite moment of anguish? Oh, I have an I have an easy one. Yeah. In Stephen King's sole directorial oh, effort, yeah. Maximum Overdrive, where <sighs> robots, where, where machines take over the earth to kill humanity, early in the movie, a baseball, like a little league coach, is murdered by a soda machine who just blasts full cans of soda at him until he dies. I mean, I like that. I was more asking for, like, what in Cube? Your favorite one in Cube because it's we're doing the Cube episode. Oh, I thought you were okay. I see what you're saying. I no, thought no, you meant like broadly so here's, in the realm of horror. I, I'm just no. I'm saying in because we're not doing a horror franchise. I would like to have we ask the question. Why will it end? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. choose our MVP and yeah, we yeah. also choose our MVD, most valuable death. Yeah, most valuable death. Okay, yeah. this will serve us well in the future. So I'm all about it. Well, mine are part and parcel. My MVP and my MVD both go to Julian Richings as Alderson. Look, wow. iconic <laughs> opening sequence. Iconic. We're, we're trying to figure like out, it. okay, where are we? What's going on? What is this? This dude in silence explores a cube and gets fucking diced into little chunks. He gets cubed. That's It doesn't get much better than <laughs> that's, that. That's the name that's, of the I goddamn mean, like, movie. That's the fucking name of the movie. Look, especially from a franchise perspective, we're kicking, they kick the door open here. I love his performance. He's a he's a classic. The like you know as a, as a big fan of everything from the Third Man to the movies of the Coen Brothers, casting is so important. Yeah, and they cast a really distinct, strange looking guy who has a horrifying, nightmarish death, and it just kicks off the tone of the movie, the series, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I gotta again part and parcel, in for a penny, in for a pound. You give him a massive cookie, he's gonna want some oatmeal to go with it. Julian Richings, Alderson, getting cubed. Boom. MVP, MVD. That's the Josh decision. Can you please ask, you said uh, maybe he wasn't a friend, but someone you know online said that they see Julian just kicking the streets quite often. I would love to know, as a little bit of trivia, is that his eye in the opening scene? Because as I said earlier, that is like one of the most striking eyes I've ever seen in my life. And do you think they brought in some talent? to just shoot the eye or is that Julian's eye? I want to know. Please find out for me. Oh, he's in The Witch. He plays one of the the uh, friggin' uh, pilgrims, uh, the Pilgrim Council in the beginning of, of The Witch. Right, yeah. No, I looked him up because I too was uh, stricken by how cool this guy was. Um, and yeah, I, he's... Oh, he's in Patriot. I was just watching him on Patriot. What's like the... He plays a gr- the Amazon series, Patriot. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. He's so good on that show. I freaking love goddamn Julian Richings. What's not to like? He's in the Twelve Monkeys show. Um, 
he he is a weirdo. He he's definitely made a name for himself. Oh, he was in Hannibal too, the show. Cool. He's a weird looking guy, and we love him for it. Yeah, um, it looks like he is. I've got to tell you, all the photos I'm seeing, he's got dark eyes. I don't think that's his eye. Yeah, it's a beautiful eye. I, I want to know the. I want to know the eye. I want that eye. Mm. Do you think maybe they, I can get just get that eye? Maybe that's like uh, one of the things you can buy online, like a reproduction of the opening eye. I don't want a reproduction. I want the eye. I want whoever's eye that is. Oh, you want, want someone's eye, a human's eye. spooned out of their head and delivered to me by Amazon. But doesn't the light go out in the eye after someone's dead? Yeah, I'm sure we could figure that out. Yeah. Is that true, okay. though? It is the uh, window to the soul, they say. So if you break the they window... Are, but they say all kinds of things. They say that the, the wombat's uh, circular rectum is the is the entryway to the, the wombat intestine, and that's true, too. Yep. Charles, who's your MVB, MVP, and who's your M- MVD? Do you Walk want an MVB, it, too? We could also add the MVB in today. MVB, most valuable buddy? That's you. Oh, and that's you. It's you. Okay, well, let's do that every episode, too. Now. Okay, great. Okay, okay. So your most valuable death, Charles. Most valuable There's death. There's not that many in this movie, really, like uh, at the end of the day. You're right. Um, definitely not Levin. Hers is boring. Worth's is boring. Um, Holloway's is boring. I think it's got to go. I I think if I'm going, I I'm not going to award Renz my MVP, but he's definitely getting the MVD. Just getting a fucking blast of acid right to the face. It gets carved out, and then he comes back later. We get to see it again. It's the only death we see twice. Uh, MVD goes to Ren, and this is where it's tricky. You know, I I mentioned at the very beginning of the program that. You and I have a very similar vibe to the Holloway Worth connection, and I'm going to be. It's hard to pick between them, but I'm going to go Holloway. Yeah, I like Worth's cynicism. I like that he's just like, at first, isn't really aware of what he's done, figures it out, keeps it a secret. His story is really interesting, but Holloway brings this like extra level. She calls a cop a, a fucking Nazi, which uh, I'm always on board for. Um, I think she's the like. Even if her theory about what the cube is, I, I think that she is the person that is like says the most in a way that I actually really like. Um, and yeah, she's she's awesome. I love the way she died. It wasn't my MVD, as you might recall, but um, being murdered by a fascist by being dropped out of the cube. I think she was the only fully post like exterior cube death. So she does get a little bit of bonus points there. Yeah, and I like that. Well. She's at odds with Worth with her, you know, he, he tries to make her seem stupid for her thoughts on, you know, it's all a conspiracy. He's like, no, it's not. It's chaos. You're right. Uh, it's but then, so silly. But then later, rather than playing her for like being like, a, you know, oh, she's like the, the dipshit. She like takes apart Quentin and like dismantles his fascism and and his violence. And oh, so good. It's sort of, it's, it does remind me. I, I like that they all have their theories and they're all wrong. And I like that those theories don't really define anything. It's just like something to talk about and allows you further access so that when they actually start talking about real shit, like all their problems, like she is a lonely person that is trying to like when Worth's like, yeah, I got my pilot porn at home. And she's like, wow, you've given up. I am at least trying to find some love again rather than jacking off in my bedroom. <laughs> um, it's like, it's all this like really small intense shit that comes out in this movie. And I honestly was like really looking like looking back on the days where we used to watch a whole franchise in the same day. And I think Cube would have been if we weren't living through a pandemic. This would have been like a very fun bam 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 three tight 90s in and out. Well, you know what? 
we're going to be safe. We're going to stay in our little cubes. Mm. And when it's all over, baby, just like Kazan, we'll stroll out into a bright, terrifying world full of unanswered questions and horror. And wombats. Charles, this has been, and wombats, this has been When Will It End. I am excited for Cube 2 colon Hypercube. Uh, let's go and friggin' find some prime numbers out there. Uh, let's quickly both find a prime number Your generator. Your favorite? Okay, prime number generator. Number Well, I'm on, I'm on uh, some, like, old-ass fucking website, macs.hw.ac.uk, where... The f- I'm at numberempire.com slash primenumbers.php. Okay, and mine is Department of Mathematics, the film cube, and prime numbers, and it's a whole article where you can learn about the prime numbers in cube, and I have learned a lot today. Wow. Okay. This already, I got too overwhelmed by this website. It was too much for me. <laughs> shut it. Just shut it. Put the, put the sunglasses on full darkness mode. Oh, here we go. This, I got mine. The smallest prime number greater than 987643212342 is 987643212261. That's cool. <laughs> and mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some knowledge that's going to ease you into primes. And hopefully, once this episode is done, you can like fully embrace the prime. There are four numbers which are cubes of primes. Eight, which is two cubed. 27, which is three cubed. 125, which is five cubed. And 343, which is seven. It feels like you could just cube any prime. I don't understand. I'm now more confused than I started with. And that's a good place to end. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, etc. Uh, we don't do this for each other. I, you know, this this is a no. work of love for you, the listener. We love you. Also, we You're don't mention we don't mention this very often, even though we should. We have a bonus show. It's on Patreon. We're up to nine subscribers. So uh, I really love that we have our like core nine now. And I not is nine a cube? Who knows? I don't really care. You should listen to it. We got two great episodes coming up that are very important to the month of February, and unfortunately, it's not for the reason that it should be. But we do have both Valentine's Day and the stunning five-year anniversary of the first time that Josh and I watched Jobs. That's the the, the Steve Jobs biopic starring Ashton Kutcher. It is my favorite movie. Uh, I've sampled it on records that I've made. It is just a fucking delight. And I, we've now seen it like half a dozen times. Yeah. And I cannot wait to do it again. And also, uh, if this is your thing, which it may be because you're listening to this fucking podcast – um, I played through Disco Elysium, the 2019 <laughs> RPG. We're going to do an episode on that. We got it. Oh, for sure. And I, I was so enthusiastic. Charles was like, I don't know. I'm trying to save money while I'm out of work. And I was like, here's $40. Go play Disco Elysium. We must talk about it. So you can look forward to that as well. Okay, Charles, please, let's end this. I've got to pee. <laughs>